When I realized dementia set in, it's like, how would I feel if I was diagnosed with this? What would I want? And I put myself in my mother's position every day, every night. Hi, I'm Bobby, a certified caregiving consultant and educator. I work one-on-one -on -one with caregivers of those with the dementia to help them find ways that work for them to address the issues that often come up. And I'm her husband, Mike, and I'm a certified caregiver advocate and a certified music therapist. And this is Roger That, the podcast dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia. Here we focus on the caregiver, offer practical insights, and share some emotional support. And we might even share a laugh or two. And I'm sure on this episode, we're going to share a few laughs. And we all know laughter is the best medicine. Absolutely. And we hope that the information that we share here with our listeners and our guests share with us will bring a little bit of assistance and joy. This episode of The Roger That Show is sponsored by Artists Senior Living, where everyone is committed to creating a more empowered care experience. That's called The Artist's Way. So what does The Artist's Way mean? It means celebrating the unique elements of every person's story and understanding that their dementia does not define them. It means creating a positive, compassionate atmosphere of opportunity, and above all else, it means caring for everyone with dignity and respect. So if you're looking for a true memory care partner and want to learn how Artist Senior Living can help you help your loved one live their passions despite diagnosis, call 240-534-3301 or visit ArtistSeniorLiving.com. That's Artist, A-R-T-I-S, SeniorLiving.com. You know, in the past, we've talked about some of my dad's idiosyncrasies and, of course, my mother, as well as many others of my family members who also had some idiosyncrasies. And I've sometimes wondered if it was an Italian thing. Well, you know, you might think that, but if you recall your thoughts on why you would never marry an Italian woman and the difference between them and an Irish woman, you might find that that's not necessarily the case. This is but true. But today's <laughs> guest may very well agree with you. Um, and he's been a writer and photographer ever since he was a little boy back in Catholic school. His professional background has been in theater, yoga, and graphic design. His book, Dementia Mama Drama, is available on Amazon Books. His writings as a career and strong advocate for dementia and Alzheimer's have been published by leading Alzheimer's organizations. Please welcome to Roger That, Mr. Vincent Zappacosta. Hey, Vincent. Thanks for being on the show. Oh, hi, hi guys. Thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure. You know, um, Mike originally talked about the relationship with your wonderful mother, and we will definitely talk about that. But one of the things that I really wanted to mention after reading your book was the relationship with your husband and your mother and you. Uh, and you mentioned, you know, when she was first diagnosed, you maybe were a little fearful about how he would react to that. And we know that sometimes marriages are strained by taking care of someone with dementia. But he really stepped up, and the three of you ended up to be quite a trio, didn't you? Oh yeah, for sure. We we I called us the uh, twisted trio. He he, <laughs> and it was a good balance because uh, my husband Douglas was the calming one, and um, 
I'm more excitable and get all the information. I'm very Italian when it comes to that. <laughs> so that having a good balance there is is important, like Mike was saying earlier <laughs> to Bobby. <laughs> so, so yeah, we just worked really well together and it brought us closer together, actually, instead of uh, bringing us further apart, which it has for many couples. Mm-hmm. That's very true. So... Tell us a little about and share with our, our listeners who haven't had the opportunity to meet you yet about how you came into the caregiving world and, you know, when your mom was first diagnosed and the steps you originally took to make sure she got the care she needed. Sure. Well, um, ever since I can remember as, as a kid, I, I pretty much was a closeted uh, caregiver. I always took care of my parents on a certain level um, just because it came second nature to me. But that's how it, it all started. But when it actually, when I took the role of caregiver, my mother was um, my, wid- widowed by that t- that time. My father was had passed away, and she had um, she had a lot of health issues. But the final thing hap- uh, came to be when she had a pulmonary embolectomy, and I was called into the doctor's office because I was her 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 person to uh, to go to 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 get all medical answers, and there was a fifty fifty chance that she would make it. And I had to make that decision. So it's like, well, she could she could uh, pass the next day if, if it didn't happen, or she could go on. So we took the chance, we moved forward. And that's when I really became the full caregiver because um, slightly after that, uh, dementia was diagnosed. And the social worker, because she was in the hospital, then she was in short-term rehab. But after that, um, we realized she could not be left alone. And she had cognitive tests. And they said, your mother has... Your mother is fine, meaning the, because of the um, operation, but she has dementia. And this is the first time that dementia was ever attached to my mother. I mean, I just thought everything that I had seen prior to that was just a natural part of aging. I mean, at that time, because this is quite a few years ago, um, dementia didn't have such a, it, it was just getting old. It wasn't dementia or Alzheimer's. It was just natural um, aging right yeah i remember back in the day oh yeah uh you know she's old she has dementia and that was just considered a natural part of aging as opposed to all the different categories under the dementia umbrella as there is now and all the different um differences between the dementias so i fully understand what you're saying and normal aging is very different than a, than a dementia. And, or, you know, yes, we're going to slow down. We don't think as fast. We don't move as fast. As Mike likes to say, we don't bounce the way we used to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, with dementia, it's, it's, it's a very serious, devastating brain disease. And um, I can only imagine hearing that for the first time, to kind of get that ice-cold shock running down your spine that yeah. this is now very real in my family. Yeah. Yeah. So the first time I did hear the term dementia and attached to mama, it was like, oh, what do I do? So I, I, I tried reading about it and whatever information I can get, but I'm not inclined to re- read a lot of medical stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I go more by feelings or what I see and am experiencing. So I'm more in the moment. And I realized a few books that were out there at that time were not very helpful for me. And um, actually, we broke a lot of the rules, uh, my husband and, and I, with Mama. We did a lot of things that uh, the books at that time said, do not do this, do not do that. If you're, 
if your loved one has Alzheimer's or dementia. But for us, they worked. I mean, I questioned, I always questioned everything ever since uh, a child. I questioned stuff with the doctors. I, I would question stuff with my mother. So if she would say she had, I don't know, spaghetti for breakfast, I would say, no, you didn't. What did you have? I would always just push her buttons to make her keep thinking. And the reason why I did that was not because I was a nasty little son, but it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was because I wanted her to use her mind and to think as much as she could in, in the, with what she had. So she, she really became, it became an art with her. She learned to BS and she could almost answer anything even if it wasn't true, just to come up with an answer. <laughs> so that was, that was a talent that I, I like to say I gave to, to mama in, in the last few years. So a politician in the making. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> she could definitely cover her butt. <laughs> you know, it's, it's so funny because Bobby was reading portions of your book, Dementia Mama Drama, and I was looking on your website, and I got to tell you, I got more laughs than anything. But... All the different situations that you c came up with, I could see from my mother. I mean, my mother, Bobby used to say, your mother lives with, lives by exclamation points. <laughs> you know, if, yeah. if she nicked her finger cutting a piece of celery for a salad, you know, she nearly cut her darn finger off. Right. Although right. she didn't say darn. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, I had a lump on my head the size of a grapefruit. Oh, my God, Mom. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, th I think we had the same mother, Mike. <laughs> uh, but uh, some of the stories, um, can you give one of your favorite stories to our listeners? Oh, God, there's, there's so many. And, and I didn't even put all of them in the book. I, um, but, yeah, one of, one, of the, one of my favorite stories is, like, um, we were there, Douglas and I were there one night in the nursing home and we were playing cards like we did because we had our rituals for the evening. So we would, we would do it pretty much all the time. We would exercise, do some yoga breathing and stuff. Um, we'd have to have some coffee and cake <laughs> no matter what, you know, what time it was. And we would play cards and uh, she would go, but she would, that's when she had a little OCD and she would be going through her wallet and we, we would go through her purse every night because she would keep food and items in her bag. So it accumulated by the end of the day because we just saw her the previous day. And it's like, we would clean it out. So one, one night, let's get back to the story. <laughs> we're sitting at the table and she's cleaning out her wallet as we're playing cards. And she's doing it over and over. And we always made sure she had um, a few dollars in her wallet. And it was a, a leopard wallet because she liked leopard and you have to make them be surrounded with things that, that make them feel good. So she's counting her dollar, $2, and she's putting it away. And I, I just happened to ask her because it seemed like she was obsessing on the money. And it's like, what, what's going on with the money? How come you don't have any money, Ma? And she said, oh, I have money. And I said, you do? And Douglas and I look at each other. It's like, we know darn well. She had, she had nothing left in the bank account. It was, you know, awful medical stuff. It was down. I said, "Oh, sure. I have a couple hundred. I have a couple of hundred dollars in the bank, and when I die, you'll have a couple of hundred. And we looked at each other, and we all, and then we just all start laughing because the situation was too <laughs> surreal, you know. So, so then, and then I gave her two more dollars at the end of it. She said, "What the hell is that for?" And I said, "Well, that's for making us laugh." She said, "I should make you laugh more often." Yeah. 
<laughs> that's just like that was like a typical night, you know. You know, it's it's funny that the money thing because um, Bobby used to take my dad to the VA hospital that's fairly close by here in West Virginia, and he, because of the number of doctors that there was, it was usually an all day affair. And somehow he got it in his mind that she liked eating at the hospital cafeteria, <laughs> which could not be further from the truth. But he went in his wallet one day and there wasn't enough money. And he asked Bobby if he could borrow $20 and he would pay her back when he got the money from me. <laughs> so <laughs> she, she gave him the money. He bought lunch. And he came to me and said, you know, I need $20. I got to pay Bobby. And I need money for my wallet because it's not nice for the girl to have to pay. Oh, that's I couldn't <laughs> let her pay. It's not nice. <laughs> that's so always made sure that there was money in his wallet. Yeah. Um, he never asked where it came from. It was just always there. It was like yeah. magic. When he put it in the drawer, money would appear. But I, I totally get, <laughs> get your mom. Bobby and I, today, I have this bird feeder that clips onto the window that you could see the birds eating and whatnot. And we have these blue jays that come by, and they pick up peanuts that I put in there. And the blue jay comes, and he picks, he eats seven, he swallows seven or eight peanuts, then takes one away, comes back three minutes later. And I'm watching this, and Bobby starts laughing. She says, reminds me of your mom. Now, my mom was a tremendous baker, and she used to make the most amazing cookies. And anytime there was any type of family situation, wedding, graduation, Shirley, will you make the cookies? Shirley, will you make the cookies? I'll buy the ingredients. And she would make these beautiful cookies and put them there and watch everybody and how many they took and how often they took how many? And she says, you're reminding me of your mother right now. <laughs> he was. He was sitting there counting. Look, that bird took one, two, three, four, six peanuts. Oh, my God. I, I could just see his mother sitting there. It was, he is his mother's son, that's for sure. Well, well Mike, I think you have a little too much time on your hand. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we live along the uh, Appalachian and Blue Ridge Mountains, and it's the uh, bird migration route. So we get every shape, color, size of birds coming through. That's great. So it's kind of fun watching them come and eat on their way past. But that's enough about my Italian family. Yeah, really. <laughs> Let's talk about your mom. <laughs> I was just going to say that I think that, you know, some people have a real problem with the idea of mom or dad or their spouse going into a care home rather than being cared for in the home. And you did it beautifully. You know, you'd made sure that you're in, we always tell people, it's not location-based, you know. Sometimes it's best for them to be in a care home. Um, you're not abandoning them. You're their advocate. You're their loving family member. It's just the right choice and you managed it beautifully, both when you were in New York and when you moved. I would love it if you would share, you know, how you balanced that in such a successful way to help our listeners feel better when they need to make a decision like that. Well, thank, thank you for that. Um, well, the situation came when she was in the hospital at the beginning after her um, surgery that we had all intentions that she would be going home. 
and I prepared the home for her, you know, for having the, the handrails and what have you, repainted stuff, got rid of things, just cleaned it up to make life easier for her. And as a few weeks progressed, we realized this was not going to happen anymore and we had to make some tough decisions. So um, that's when she was admitted into um, a nursing home, but it was not a good fit to say, putting it um, diplomatically. <laughs> <laughs> and also it wasn't close to me. I, I, what was most important was that this, this, the environment had to be a, a good one for her and it had to be convenient that I can be there in five minutes, if that long. So I, I did find one that was only a block away and it, it, was, it was a great fit. I really had a fight to get her in there because they were over, over, um, overbooked. It was like a hotel. They were overbooked. And it's like, no, no, no. I, I sold my mother. It's like, no, you, you have to take my mother. You're going to love her. She's great. She, she'll sing. She'll, she'll entertain you. She, it, was, it was a hard sell. <laughs> but <laughs> long story short, they all did love her there. And, and it, it, became, it became an extended part of the family, which I feel is vital in any place where, where you're leaving a loved one. Um, for extended period of time. You need to know everyone's name that's on staff. You need to be in touch with them. That's, if I can stress anything, that is the most important thing. And then once we had moved, because the, the nursing home was closing, and actually that is one of the reasons why we, we had to move, um, I did my research and I looked for our new location and what was nearby. And then I narrowed it down. I kept making a few visits to them and talking to the staff there and seeing which would be a, a good fit and which would be close by once again. And I did find that. Um, and basically, I mean, we lived there. We were there every day. So <laughs> the three of us. So it had to be important for all of us to work together in that situation. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's interesting because my grandmother, my dad's mother, um, went into assisted living at 99 years old. She lived on her own till she was 99. And in the assisted living, she was kind of the boss, right? She would tell them how to cook, when to cook, why to cook, what to cook. But what was sad was my dad would go visit all the time. He would visit her uh, five times a week. And when we would go to Pittsburgh, we would visit. And because she always got visitors, there were so many there that didn't have visitors that it was, we were almost celebrity-like. Did you find that there were a lot of folks that were just kind of parked there and left? Yeah, definitely. I, uh, I, I noticed that right away. And actually, my mother always wanted to be the star, Dementia Mama drama, right? Right. <laughs> we would go visit. We would go visit her, and I would. I would always see someone that was sitting in the corner alone, repeatedly, or just maybe at a table, like three, two or three people, and no one would visit them. And we saw this after you, you just get to know the people there. I would see people that were um, sitting alone or not having visitors at all, or really being responsive and not even a little spark in their eyes. So I always was aware of that, so I, it, drew, it drew me to them. So again, where they're visiting, Douglas, Douglas and I were with my mother, and I would leave the table and go, go to them and talk to them for a minute or just say hello, and, and my mother being the prima donna, like I, was, I mentioned, <laughs> dementia, mom, and drama, needed all the attention, of course, right? 
So why the hell is he going over there to talk to him? Didn't he come to visit me? And Douglas very calmly would say, but, but Anna, he's, he's talking to them because they have no visitors. And what she said was kind of like, the heck with them, what about me? You know, but, <laughs> but, but she, she got it. And after a while, actually, we even in, included them like to come join us and to try to play cards. So we, we kind of got her to be more friendly with other people and realize it was not only about her. And I think that was really important. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, I believe that, you know, even with the Dementia Mama drama, your mother had a big heart. And, you know, even the fact that she loved to sing and she loved to entertain. I mean, she was giving, she was giving back so much. And I would imagine that in the care home that they love to hear that. And, you know, that drew people as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. If if she was sick for a, a day or two, and because she would also, when we lived in New York, she would go sit on the bench outside, which was like a, a cha- I think a chapter in in the book, Dementia Mom Drama, and she would just sit out there. If it was hot, summer, winter, she was out there all the time, and the, the neighborhood people got to know her. So she just she just grew, drew a crowd. If if they didn't see her out there, um, they would ask a nurse that that was out there or other patients. Where's Anna today? Where's Anna today? Oh, she wasn't feeling too good. She's in bed or she, she's too hot. It's, she's staying inside, which was rare. But she, she just did. She, she drew an audience and people just uh, were attracted to her. You know, she had that star quality. <laughs> <laughs> so what brought you to write Dementia Mama Drama? Well, it, it started with, with Mama, actually. It was, it was like a joint project and it wasn't about writing it so much as it was keeping her engaged. So um, when it first started, I was, I, it started initially as a blog for me and, and also was a form of therapy for me, but also for her, because I would go to the nursing home and ask the doctors questions, ask the uh, activity people questions. And she would always say, why are you asking everyone questions instead of me? And that's when the light bulb went off and it's like, okay, you asked for it. Here we go. And we just started talking. And then I, and then I started to um, bring in photos. And she loved that. And then what she loved even more than looking at photos was having her picture taken. And then once we started videotaping, it just, it just escalated. One thing to she became a social media maven. I mean, <laughs> it, this was really before social media was out there. And she enjoyed it. She loved seeing what people were saying about her. Um, and if there was a, a quiet moment during any of the visits, she's like, show me some videos of myself. We're like, what are people saying today? She, <laughs> like, she was the Kardashian, I think, back, back, <laughs> back then. <laughs> so it, it really started as therapy for all of us. And then uh, eventually, I mean, then she, she passed. And it, it, the book went on hold because it was too close. I had to keep it away for a while. But it evolved into a play because we were asked to do um, be part of this this uh, fringe festival, so we wrote it in, as a short play, and it expanded from there. And then enough time went by that I said, you know, the book is pretty much there, all the bones are there, and I think it's time to share this with all the other people that she wanted her story told. Mm-hmm. So why am I not telling it? And that's when we finally put it out. 
And, and I love the way that you've organized it, like you mentioned, in, in short pieces so people can, you know, just take a few minutes. But every single one of the ven- uh, little vignettes are engaging and, and life-affirming. Um, we just recently talked to someone on the podcast about the Dementia Letters Project, where they are, you know, they started off asking if somebody wanted to write a letter to dementia and talk about what that was like, in part because they weren't being allowed to talk about dementia in the home that they were in. People would shush them. Hmm. And that evolved into a great big project where people are invited to tell their stories in many different forms, whether it's writing, whether it's um, using paints, whether it's um, making collages. And you did that naturally with your mom you realized that she wanted to tell her story and you found ways to help her do that. Yeah, I, definitely. But I mean, in essence, it, it was helping me too. And w- what I said, like the, the three W's that, that got us all through it, well, at least Douglas and I was walking, writing, and wine. <laughs> you know? Perfect. You know? <laughs> after, after leaving the nursing home, I, I would just have to write, you know, I would do a walk and get my endorphins going. And then I would write out the feelings that happened and like look over the notes that we had taken and then sit down to a nice dinner and chill out with some wine. And that was the three W's. (laughs) Now I have a question. I have a caregiver support group and there's this couple, her mom lives with them in their home. And um, her mom kind of sees her son-in-law is the good one. (laughs) <laughs> and her, her daughter is, you know what your wife made me do today kind of thing? <laughs> um, did you ever have that? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, too, was uh, the bad one. It's like, Douglas is so patient. He's so understanding. Why can't you be more like Douglas? And it's like, ma. But in the same respect, what she would say, I mean, I remember one of the last um, things she had said, she had written me a handwritten note and she said, you are great. You're great, Finn. I don't know what I'd do without you. So. Yeah. That's uh, you can't put a price tag on that. No, no. My dad used to say to Bobby, you know, without you, I'm a goner. But that's when I wasn't poisoning him or holding him hostage. <laughs> or... <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget, you know, I would take him to his doctor's appointments Mostly because, you know, Mike worked to support us and I stayed home to take care of him. And I remember often, you know, the doctors would say, Mr. Carducci, you know, your your daughter-in-law takes really good care of you. You're lucky to have her. And his response was, she's okay. She cooks. She cleans. My son does everything. (laughs) That would be me. Yeah. (laughs) Now, you mentioned that... um, this kind of brought you and Douglas closer. What advice would you give to couples that are caregiving one or the other's parents? Um, A lot of times it has the opposite effect and it breaks couples apart. What advice could you give them to try to keep it together and grow closer together like you and Douglas did? Well, I mean, communication is key. Communication is key with with everything and every every level of it. It was between us, Douglas and I. It was between the nursing home. It was between mama. 
we all had to communicate on whatever level we can do that and, and have an empathy and just putting, putting yourself in the other person's uh, position. I mean, that's when I first started, when I realized dementia set in to my brain what it was. It's like, how would I feel if I was diagnosed with this? What would I want? And I put myself in my mother's position every day, every night. And as a couple, we would um, give each other space. Like if I went without Auguste and I came home and he could just tell when I walked in the door if it was a bad night or not. And he said, are you okay? Yeah, I just need, I just need a few minutes. And then we talk about it later, you know, for dinner and stuff. But uh, we worked together because we were like yin, yin and yang. He was calming, like I said earlier, and I was more uh, not em- not <laughs> not exactly. I was not, I was not calm at all. No, not even after two glasses of wine. No, not calm. <laughs> but uh, it, yeah, we we were able to handle it, and we, we were fortunate that way. Well, you know, you do something that I talk about often, and a lot of caregivers don't really understand is you go with whatever happens in the moment. Um, I called it creative problem solving on the run. Yes, you know, having schedules and trying to do things in a certain way every day kind of seems like the right thing to do. But with dementia care, there's never a right thing to do <laughs> because it, can cha- it changes from moment to moment. Um, and to be able to pivot and to be able to support one another in that way is is the way to get through it in the the best way that you can. And sometimes there are good days and sometimes you wonder, you know, how am I going to get up and do it again tomorrow? But you do. And your mother was a wonderful inspiration for doing that. And we cannot close the show without talking about her singing and her her exuberance for life and just how special she was. Oh, thanks. Uh, Yeah, she sang ever since she was a a kid. We, We came from a... She came from a really large family, being Italian in New York with 13. She was the baby in, in the family. So she was always surrounded with music. Her, my uncles played guitar, aunts sang, and she would always be at Sarsha. She sang on kiddie shows. She, she was, music was always essential. And she always, she had a good voice. She didn't have the chutzpah to go out there and really to, you know, to make it as a singer. But she encouraged me growing up too. Like she wanted me to be a, a singer, and my father wanted me to be a ball player. <laughs> I think mom will want a little bit more, but <laughs> <laughs> but but her singing was yeah, she, she had a really great voice, and people really did enjoy it, and it it made her even more lovable and stuff. And also the mouth on her because she spoke very real, like I do. That's where we mm-hmm. are very similar. <laughs> so you know where most people might give a look or like how can you talk like that to your mother? It's like, what do you mean? That's how we speak to each other. You know, we're not yelling. She would always say, we don't yell. That's the way we talk. (laughs) Whoever talks loudest and fastest wins. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I understand that. And it took me a while to get used to that. And uh, (laughs) it was like, whoa, these people are screaming at each other all the time. (laughs) That was just talking. That's talking. (laughs) Well, Vincent, it was wonderful having you on the show. It was wonderful reading about your mom Thank you. and on your website and also on in the book. And we're going to put links to your website and to the book uh, for our listeners. And that'll be on the Roger That website. Great. Well, thank you. 
And and to go back to um, the reason why I wrote it in short, like vignettes, I I call them daily doses, <laughs> is because as caregivers, I mean, this was our daily dose. So that's and it's easier to read. And for me, since I don't like to sit down and read long chapters, and most caregivers don't have that luxury, I decided to put it in that format so you could read a few doses and get something of it. Hopefully, learn something from it and learn and and uh, deal with it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well. It- if nothing else, just change your your perspective. Exactly. Make it about them and not about you. And yeah. that, that that was an important thing that Douglas and I would do once we visited. We made it about her, not about what went on in the hard day, in our day, or what's going on later on. It was all about her. So you just breathe, you buck it up, and you make them the star. I love that. Breathe, buck it up, make them the star. There you go. Vincent, it was wonderful having you on the show, and I'm sure we're related somewhere with a name like Zappacosta and Carducci. Um, there's got to be something somewhere where there's some DNA. Definitely. <laughs> but I think my mother made better cookies. I don't know. Oh, no. I will put my, my mom, either it was really, really good or not. There was no in-between stuff with my mom. Okay. (laughs) But the cookies were always the star. She was a star when it came to cookies. People came, hey, I talked to this person who talked to this person who said you were the cookie person, and I need it for a wedding, right? You got to have cookies at the Italian weddings. Yeah. And so people that she didn't know would call, and she didn't have a shop. She didn't advertise. It was just all word of mouth, and she would do it. She was very famous. For her cookies <laughs> but at any rate th- thank you thank you thank, thank you. you a dozen thank times you. uh for uh spending some time with us on the show today oh thank you it was a pleasure i had a, had a ball <laughs> good <laughs> let's do it good. again <laughs> all right we may very well do that in the in the future now one of my takeaways was and i absolutely love it when you talked about there was a wait list at this nursing home and he sold his mom you're going to love her she's going to you know everybody's going to enjoy having her there and i think that's something that even if somebody's not as outgoing as mama right if you're trying to get your person placed in in a facility that's right for them that's where you need it to be find ways to sell Sell them (laughs) to sell them yeah yeah one of the thing i took away was you know you got to keep them engaged you know, it's it's one thing to spend an hour with them and engaged, and you get much more out of it, both the person and you, than if you just sit with a book and read your book sitting beside them and not having the engagement. So you got to have the engagement, and that's what makes the quality versus the quantity. And let's face it, when we show up, it's the highlight of their day. That's right. Um, And, of course, he ended, and I think it was a great way uh, towards the end. Make it about them, not about you. Not, this is what happened in my day. Tell me about yours. Mm -hmm. Let them do the talking. Let them uh, lead you on. And then um, also know the people in the facility. It's one thing to know your person. But know the people around, and that's probably even more important because you're going to get more engagement to the people around as opposed to just them seeing you there and nodding. Um, The engagement, communication, as he said, communication, communication, communication. 
So um, while we laughed, we got some very, very, very helpful hints from Vincent today. Absolutely. We always learn. Yes, we We do. We always learn. You can find more information about Vincent, links to his website and his book, or to learn about our sponsor, Artist Way, visit rogerthat.show. This has been Roger That. I'm Bobby. And I'm Mike. And we're dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia. So please subscribe to the show, go to iTunes, post a review, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question or issue you'd like for us to address, please post on the Roger That Facebook page. To find out more about us, head over to rogerthat.show. That's Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R, that.show. Roger That is produced by Missing Link, a media podcast company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast raising the bar on craft cocktails. Here you meet interesting folks, enjoy boozy banter, and learn how to make craft cocktails from a master. And if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and all those in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows as your review helps our show reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company. <laughs>